Good evening, everybody. How's everybody tonight? Good. It is really good to be here, and it's good to see everybody. And we have a, a superstar in the house tonight, Bill Loveless, in person. <laughs> in person, in the flesh. We are excited because we have a, a full night, and we're not going to take long tonight. Um, just got a couple things. I, we, we normally share some stuff, but I have the mic, so I just got something I need to share with you. Uh, I, I want to thank everybody for the prayers for this last week. I lost my father a little over a week ago in Albuquerque, and, uh, and it, was a, it was really a, a blessing. It was a great time. It was unexpected, uh, but he turned 93 yesterday, a week later. And uh, so anyway, thank you so much for your prayers. I just wanted to share one exciting win with you. Dad was a quiet man. Uh, a Marine, uh, didn't talk about his faith, but he loved Lord. And uh, he never, never talked to us about anything our whole lives about the Lord. My mom did that. Uh, but a few days before he died, he, he still was talking. And, uh, and he asked, nobody would tell him what was going on. And he finally asked the nurse, he said, am I dying? And she said, yes, sir, you are. And he said, well, thank you. And he just laid back and relaxed and and let go and uh and the next day my little sister uh went to the hospital and a nurse was sitting at a chair up up to his bedside and uh and then she got there and she left and she came went and talked to her a little later and she said uh you know your your father told me about Jesus <laughs> he witnessed to her and led her to Christ uh Two days before, well, he lost his his voice and and never said much after that. But his last uh, acts of doing anything on this earth were were leading a young lady to Jesus. So, man, what a what a blessing it was! It made it made the whole week great. There there was nothing nothing wrong after that. So. God gave him his voice, and what a privilege it was to walk that last three days with him. So it was exciting. And some of you may not know, but uh, Pastor Jimmy and Annette is home tonight. Uh, Annette lost her sister last night in Odessa, and it was, it was not expected either. And so their plate is full, and so uh, Bill Loveless was wonderful enough to come share with us tonight. And... Uh, we're excited about that too. So let's uh, let's pray, if you will, and and uh, first of all, ask blessing over this evening and and for Annette. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for you being here in your presence. We thank you that uh, Lord, everything is well with our soul when you are here. And so, Father, we just thank you for your Spirit, for your love for everything you stand for in here. We ask that tonight you would uh, be with Pastor Jimmy and Annette. Father, would you just cover them with your love, and by your Spirit, would you just cover them like a blanket? And by, that's what your Spirit does. Your Holy Spirit is a comforter. That's what your Word says. So we're asking for the comforter, comforter to fall upon their household and their family tonight and bless them over the next few days as they have so much going on, doing a funeral Saturday and, and preaching Sunday. And Lord, we're just asking for your presence.
that you would uh, build him up, give him strength that he uh, could not have on his own. And tonight, Father, we're thankful for a father in the house, a father that's, uh, that has deep roots in this church. And we're so thankful that he is here to speak into our lives. And, uh, and what a privilege it is, Father. There is, there is people in our lives that are, that are takers, and then there's those that are givers, life takers and life givers. And uh, Bill Loveless is a life giver. I thank you that every time I'm around him, I am filled up, and I can't wait till the next time. So what a privilege it is to have him tonight, and we bless you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Brother Bill, come on. I feel the same way about you guys. I feel filled up. I was about a four quarts low. I had to come to Fredericksburg. <laughs> <clears throat> my wife was too. That's Paige right there, my wife. She's raising her hand right now because... <clears throat> She always loves it when I call her out. <laughs> you know, I, I, last time I took her to a marriage conference, um, it was in Kerrville, and it was a big church out of San Antonio, but they uh, just had 40 couples, and they had round tables, and, and she was up sitting up toward the front, you know, and I'm, you know, talk, talking about marriage. And about 15 minutes into this, I noticed they quit looking at me and started looking at her. And what they were wanting to know is, this, is this guy full of it or does he really know what he's talking about, right? And at the end of the conference, they just gathered around. And uh, so that was the last conference I took her to, which was <laughs> years ago. I learned, finally, just, just don't take her to the conference. So, uh, but no, it's so good to be here. I mean, th this really, deep down inside, you need to know, even though we live in Bernie, this is kind of our home church. Uh, you know, we travel all over the country and get to see, but man, this is, this is, we always feel like we, we're coming home, right, honey? I mean, in fact, if she could just call the van line, we'd be here, but uh, I still got to get to the airport, and it's a hike from, a little bit of a hike from Bernie, and you had another 45 minutes, so pray for me, will you? And then, because I would, would love to end up here at some point, but uh, yeah, just so sorry about your dad, Don. <clears throat> Golly. Uh, but uh, he's... Man, can you imagine where he is now, face to face with Jesus? I am envious. Golly, I tell you, as the lug nuts are loosening up and the wheels are beginning to fall off, man, I am, any day is a good day to be with Jesus at this point. So anyway, but uh, it's, it's great to be here. I'm, I'm uh, you know, I, um, what's your pastor's name, Jimmy? Uh, <laughs> You know that guy. <laughs> anyway, I, I, Jimmy, I said, Jimmy, how many, how many books do you need? He said, well, you know, we got 70. Just bring 70. And just the last one was taken tonight. I was going to send them to Memphis, Tennessee next week. So thank you for buying all the books I was going to send. Now I got to go make more. Uh, but uh, anyway, I'm just <clears throat> so glad you guys are going through this study. I've got two other churches going through it. And, and this is going to actually become, become a book. I'm actually going to make it a book. Uh, still working on it. I've never written a book. Everything I write's curriculum. But uh, and as I've shared with you, when I kind of gave an overview, this is kind of where I am in my journey. In fact, if you ever want to know where I am, just see what I'm writing, and you'll know which operating table I'm on. But this one's a big one. This one uh, <clears throat> impacts all of us, I think. Um, and so I'm just glad that Jimmy's taking y'all through the study. And uh, I did see Jimmy and Annette. We did on the way over and. Uh, 
And that's, you know, she's pretty, pretty heartbroken about her sister because she it just came quicker than they thought. And uh, so I'm glad Jimmy stayed home with her. Um, well, let's get into it. <clears throat> We're going to be into chapter three. And uh, what I wanted to let you know is that uh, I don't know how much Jimmy let you all talk. You know, Jimmy is a man of many words. Um, I'm a man of many slides, though. That's my problem. Um, but, it, you know, if we, I want to, you know, if, if you've been going through this, um, I, I'm just going to kind of go over some things that you've been reading, <clears throat> but uh, add a few more things to it. But if you've got uh, a word to say or encouragement, um, if you're not happy, tell Don afterwards. I don't want to hear about it. I'm not really into uh, rejection tonight. So, um, but this is really a key chapter, and and I went over a good bit of it the first time, but we've slept since then, and so I want to kind of go back over some of these things. But these are just some key truths about agape love. Anybody want to make a statement before we get started? Anybody have a word they want to share? Everybody good? Okay. Oh, yes, ma'am. I mean, everybody but you. <laughs> Trouble, Miss Trouble. <laughs> I just want to tell you that we're not very far in your book, and you've already healed one relationship for me. Really? Yes, Praise God. Amen. Well... <clears throat> I'm sure God probably did that part, though. I know he had a hand in yeah, I think so. I just write the words. I just write what He tells me to do, you know. And so, well, that's good. That's encouraging. That's really what this is about. I mean, can you imagine if we were all totally others focused? If we were all really living out of this love relationship, it changes the whole dynamic. And this is why this is really impacting me as you get more and more into the book. But uh, thank you so much. That's great. I'm not sure if I need to teach after that. Let's, uh... Okay, let's go into a couple of things. I'm going to hit some things tonight. Uh, first of all, love and law don't mix. These are just some key things about agape love. Uh, because the problem is, when I say we put people under the law, we put conditions, expectations, and if those aren't met, we result in fleshly rights. So let me just define that this way, that human love is conditional when we put certain terms or requirements on people that they must meet in order for us to love them. Does that make sense? That's a lot of words, but we put conditions. So here's some of the conditions, and some of this is a bit of review. I've added a few more since then. But have you ever said, I will love him or her when? I will love him or her if. I can't love him or her because. All right? Or if he or she will fill in the blank, then I'll love them. All right? Or he, is she, he or she is not worthy of my love because. So you fill in the blank, but don't you, we tend to tie this, this thing in because unconditional love has no conditions. We also have expectations. Let me define an expectation is a belief that something will happen or will likely happen. All right, so let me give you some, some examples of expectations. First of all, I expect to be loved by others. Just see if this applies to you unconditionally, sacrificially, and selflessly. Amen? Okay. All right, so, but then we can put expectations on our expectations because I can be expected to be loved I want, when I want to be loved, where I want to be loved, and how I want to be loved, and it's all about me. Okay. So, what happens when the conditions or expectations are not met? <laughs> right? Don't you love this slide? 
I, I think it speaks for itself. So anyway, uh, he's trying though, isn't he? I mean, the guy's really trying, so we've got to give him a little credit for that. But when our expectations and conditions are not met, it leads to what we call fleshly rights. This is a big deal. My flesh has many, many rights. And basically, they're self-centered, sinful demands toward others that are produced by the flesh. And, and let me give you a few examples of that. Well, since you're not loving me the way I want to be loved, I have the right to not love you in return, right? I have the right to reject you. I have the right to be critical of you. I have the right to kind of get you out of my life. You know, we're just going to kind of move you aside, and I'm going to move on. I have the right to find someone who will love me the way I want to be loved. This, this is the number of reason we have you know, affairs and this sort of thing. You know what's interesting about this is that, and I just, I've, I've been doing some things on marriage here recently. I'm teaching over to a new church in Bolverde called Hillside Fellowship and um, just talking about this, but, you know, we are, our, what our need is is unconditional love. You know what our spouses can't do apart from Christ is unconditionally love us, Right? And so we're, you know, you've heard the country western song, looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, that's what you do. Oh, well, she didn't meet that need, so maybe over here she will meet that need. And this is kind of how this whole ball rolls down the, the way in terms of <clears throat> unconditional love. But yet in Christ, I have how much unconditional love? All of it. And, and what would it be like? See, because what we're doing now is giving it. So this is the homework for these couples. Now, they're just learning about life in Christ. They're learning about how it applies to marriage. Their heads are spinning. I mean, they, they want me to give them tips and techniques on how to have the right marriage, right? Well, tips and techniques are not going to transform your marriage, are they? Only the Holy Spirit within you is going to do that. So here was their homework this week. This was, I said, guys, this is very simple. I'm an Aggie, so I've got to keep it real simple, right? I said, okay, husbands, just say this prayer. Lord, love my wife through me. And then the wife loved my husband through me. That's the homework. That was it. And they're looking at me like, what do you mean? Just pray the prayer and let's see if something happens. And I told them about a couple that came to visit me and, and they did that for a week. And, and I, I looked at the husband. I said, well, what, anything different about her? She said, yeah, there's something different about her. She's more attractive. I said, well, is it a wig or lipstick? I mean, not wig, excuse me. Um, <laughs> hairdo or lipstick? I'm going to get in trouble, Don. <laughs> I'll tell you what, lipstick, you know, anyway, and she said, no, I can't put my finger on, but something's different about her. And I asked her the same question. She said, yeah, there's something different about him. I can't put my finger on it. Would you call that supernatural? It was the love of God through each one of them meeting that need and therefore starting a transformation that takes place. And so, but the flesh said it's all about me. So here's the question. How many fleshly rights do we have in Christ? None. We have no fleshly rights in Christ. So when we look at agape love, and, and I don't know, there, there's certain things that hit me, and I write them, and they're for nobody else but me. But I'm driving down the road one day, and it just the Lord just brings to me, says, Bill, love loves. Love just loves, regardless. If I'm living in that, that love loves. In other words, there are no conditions. There are no expectations. There are no limitations. There are no fleshly rights. There are no selfish motives. And love doesn't judge. You know, we want to judge based on looks, race, sexual orientation. I mean, the, the list is long. You know, but love doesn't judge. Uh, love doesn't take offense either. <clears throat> 
I mean, just turn on the news for five minutes, that'll offend you, you know. And I think when I was here last time, I told you not to write this, read this book. <clears throat> Anybody get this book? Did you? All right. You don't listen to me at all. I said don't get the book. I told you four times. Uh, <laughs> but it, this book, I'm telling you what, it, it's exposing me. In fact, we have a, we have a, 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 our ministry is basically supported by individuals and churches, wonderful churches like, like uh, the bridge here. And uh, so I'm writing a ministry letter. In fact, I'll, I'll send that to the elders here if y'all want to somehow distribute it. But I'm, I'm going to be quoting from this, just a bunch of little one-line quotes from this, because I'm telling you what, I'm just getting busted. So don't read the book, even though you can get it on Amazon, download it to Kindle, and, but don't get the book. Uh, okay, agape love doesn't criticize, it doesn't compare, it doesn't hold grudges, it doesn't hold on to these fleshly rights, it doesn't hold on especially to the right not to forgive. And let me tell you what, we have all kinds of excuses, but agape love has no excuses not to love. Let's just look at some of these, some of these were in your book. They must ask for forgiveness before I can love them. Aren't you glad God didn't say that to you? How about, I don't have to love them. This is a big thing in marriage. I don't have to love them because they didn't meet my expectations of how I want them to love me. Right? Or in these unmet needs, they didn't meet my need for love, except things worse, so I don't have to love them. And if any of you have been wounded, uh, it's really easy to say, well, I don't have to love them because of how badly they wounded me. But what do we know about love? It trumps all the excuses. Am I standing right here in the middle of this screen? I think I can. I think I can move over a little. Well, of course, then I I can't. I'll just keep moving so you can see it. How about that? <laughs> any any. I mean, we do have a lot of excuses, don't we? I mean, my flesh is the best attorney I have. My flesh can come up with so many different ways to make up excuses not to love you, right? And and because uh, I can find something. I mean, it may take me a day or two, but I'll find something about you I don't like. All right. And I can just make an excuse. Well, if you know, if you just didn't act like such a jackass, you know, I really love you. But we just make up these excuses. But the wonderful thing about it is love trumps every one of them. And then, I don't know if you thought about this since we talked about it last, but love equals power. Look at 2 Timothy 1.7. For God is... Uh, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love. In other words, he puts those together. And so when you think about love equals power, I, I want you to think about this. Could you make this, these two slides, these next two slides, very, very personal? Put yourself in this slide, would you? Because you have the love that can disarm others and literally make them open and transparent. And, and I work with a lot of pastors. That's my greatest passion. That's why I love Jimmy. Uh, it's an impossible job. I mean, these guys, uh, my, my next book is going to be hum Pastors Are Human Too, <clears throat> believe it or not, you know. And, uh, but love equals power. Just it can, it can and, and I'm, what I'm doing, is th these aren't just points. This is what I'm experiencing. In other words, through you, love can bring a person to brokenness. It's the power of love. You're loving them to the end of themselves. How's that? And then it can draw an unbeliever to salvation, right? I mean, just as I get around people, uh, just Lord, love them through me. Just to expose their need for Christ. And then literally love can move people to love you. And, and I wasn't exactly, I'm just not exactly a lovable person. You know what I'm saying? My wife is, but I'm not. 
And so as I've begun to walk in this thing called unconditional love, <clears throat> I'm very intentional about praying that prayer. Lord, would you just express your love through me? Would you open your arms through me and embrace these people with your love? And I mean, it, it's interesting. You just, like we had a server tonight. We ate here at a restaurant in town and just loving her. Man, she was responding. Of course, we were proselytizing her to go to A&M too because she needs to be an Aggie. And so... <clears throat> We were loving her on top of that. It wasn't just proselytizing, but it's just, it's just you want them to experience that love, right? If you're experiencing it, don't you want to pour it out? Let the overflow reach others. But how about this? Through you, love can penetrate someone's heart. It can soften someone's heart. Through you now, it can heal their heart. And here's the one I love the most. It can transform their heart. Think about this, guys. <clears throat> You've got the power that raised Jesus from the dead. You've got the fullness of Christ in you, and so how much love do you have in you? How much power do you have in you? I mean, do you consciously think about the power that you have in you? I mean, we ought to be turning backflips over that. It's the power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's the power that created the heavens and earth, the power that holds this universe together. And what God is saying is that power is at our disposal every moment over the power of sin, over flesh, over Satan. But we tend to just kind of get back into our default of our own flesh, our own willpower. And so I just would like you to think about, but when, I, when God connected the dots of love and power and just watching, and I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just praying one prayer. I mean, but I'm in their prayer, and I'm intentional about it. Lord, you just love them through me. Remember I was telling you about my trip to, to Memphis. These were all black churches, and I didn't know how they were going to respond to this <clears throat> old white dude from Texas. And the Lord said, you let me love them through you, and I'm going to show you the power of my love. I'm telling you what, it was the love fest for four days. Guess where I'm going next Wednesday? Back to Memphis. I need some love. Y'all want to go with me? Man, oh man, they will love you to death. And, and I've got this one gal, she's kind of my marketing age. She calls me and says, well, we've got one more church, one more church. I'm going to teach three nights and have a conference and eight or nine or ten different churches. And so we'll see how the power of love works. But I'm going to walk in there, and Lord, you love these people through me. You love them. So just the power of it. Think about it, guys. Especially when you think about those closest to you. Uh, some of you look like you've got kids that are out of the house. Maybe things didn't go as well as you would like. Uh, as a parent, it's never too late. But the, the two things you can do, pray for them and love them. And just love, love them back to the Lord if they need that. Love them back to Christ. Love them to Christ. But love them to life in Christ as well. Because our lives could be transformed, right? We can be changed and God is moving us because if we're walking in Christ, aren't we becoming more like Jesus? Thinking, feeling, choosing, behaving like Jesus? Shouldn't that create a life of anticipation? I mean, I, I want to be more like, and I know one thing. It, and, and, you know, Paige probably can't bear witness to this yesterday, but I, I believe I'm more Christ-like today than I was yesterday. Why can I say that with such confidence? Anybody have any idea? I believe it, yeah. I'm walking in it, and I'm praying it, Lord. 
move me into a greater Christ. I want to be spiritually attractive. I don't want you to necessarily love me. I want you to love the Christ in me. But do you, you know what we really are? We're display cases. We're God's trophy case. But we're display cases for Him. And I just, I'm tired of the curtain over the display. I want them to see the heart of Jesus in me. I want them to be, I want to be irresistible in Christ, don't you? And the key way we do that is the love of Christ. And let me tell you what, I don't care where you are in your journey. It is never, ever, never too late. I was, I was preaching over at a church in, in Bolverde, and, and I mean, we're talking about this very thing, and this lady comes up to me, and she just tears in her eyes. She's mid-70s. Her, his, her story is on her face. Been married, I'm sure, in a miserable marriage, and she says, she just looks at me, and she looks at me with those eyes, and she says, Bill, I have hope. I said, what do you mean I have hope? She says, I can love my unlovable husband. I believe in the power of love. How could that change their marriage? This late in the game? Well, nothing's beyond the power of the Holy Spirit, is it? Come on now, guys. I want to hear some Christ's confidence tonight. He's in us. He can do it. He wants to do it. He eternally more wants to do it than you want Him to do it, than I want Him to do it. I want to be as excited about Him working in me as He is. But I'm just telling you, that this love has power and when you think about those circle of relationships, maybe Jimmy went into it and y'all talked about, you know, those close in, in uh, spouse and kids and extended family, and you move out, I'm telling you what, I, the thing I love about this life is it's just less and less about me. I'm so sick and tired of me, I can hardly stand myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I had a friend of mine, Mike Wells, he used to take these truths all over the world, and, and this guy would call him up. This guy called him up one time, so it was 40 minutes talking about himself. And he asked Mike, he says, what do you have to say to that? He says, boring. That is so boring. That's the most boring thing I've ever heard of. Just all about you. You know, I, I don't know about you. I just, I don't want it to be about you. But only God can produce that. That's why we walk in this. That's why we live in this branch-fine relationship. But I'm telling you what, love equals power. Would you all pray for me next week? Would you? It's going to be 10 new churches. <clears throat> Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, all day Saturday, then I'm flying home. But, you know, you, you're, you're part of our family now, right? So I want, I want you all to just pray for me. Pray this love. Pray, pray that this is what happens. Just, Lord, penetrate their hearts, soften their hearts, heal their hearts, transform their hearts through me. Will you do that? All right, how about this? Love is an unstoppable force. And you remember what I said that uh, uh, one of my board members would call me up and he said, I love you and there's nothing you can do about it. And isn't that how God feels about you? You've got to hear that. Somebody tonight needs to hear that. This is how God feels about you. He doesn't care what your sin is. That was all dealt with, right? Didn't he die for that, past, present, and future? The ones we haven't even committed that are, that are coming up, and they're all on the cross. And he says, the, because have you figured out the point of reference with man is no longer sin? Have you figured that out? He says, I've removed your sins as far as the east is from the west. I remember your sins no more. The point of reference with you is love. I, I purged it out. I put myself in you. I love you. I want you to see it's not about sinning or not sinning anymore. He just wants you to know how much he loves you. I, I just sit there in the morning and I just say, Lord, show me, persuade me. I don't get how much you love me. You, you've got to show me. You've got to reveal to me. You've got to, 
just do something deeper, but I'm always asking him, show me more, show me more, show me more. And he does. I mean, the unfathomable riches of Christ, the unfathomable depths of his love and his life and his acceptance and his peace. But I'm telling you what, what would it be like I don't know if I shared this with you when I was with you some weeks ago, but I was doing this conference. I have a whole conference on this, and, and one of these greeters at this church came up, and he, did I tell you all this story? Anyway, it was on a Saturday. I was doing the conference. Sunday morning, he's the greeter at the door. And he says, I can hardly wait till tomorrow. And I said, what? He says, because everybody that walks through that door, I'm going to tell them I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> now, man, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall there. So if you're a greeter here, you might want to consider that being the new mantra of the bridge. You've got a new name, right? Let's have a new mantra. I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it, right? Now, this is a big one. This is one I want to spend just a little bit of time on because we need to see people in 3D. We tend to see people in one dimension. I know I always do this in an airport, and I've been doing more flying around here, so I'm, you pray for me as I'm sitting in the airport going and coming, because I just said, you know, you're just sitting there and you're looking at people. And then you start making all these judgments. You know what I'm saying? The way they look, color of their skin, I mean, you, you know, all the stuff, what they're wearing, you know. And I just, I just hear two words from the Holy Spirit, Don. Stop it! Just stop it. You have no idea what is going on with those people. By the way, they don't need your judgment. They need my love through you. Amen. Right? I'll tell you. Anyway, when I look at 3D, it's understanding the background, the history, the motives, or the struggles underlying what someone is thinking, believing, you know, and how they're behaving. In other words, I really would like to stop somebody in the airport and says, could you sit down? I got, you know, let's have an hour. Let me tell me about your life. Could that change, especially somebody I was beginning to judge, right, you know, and sit them down and, and well, I'll tell you what, I'd probably be bawling by the time they were telling me the story. I mean, it could have been a horrible story or something like that. But we need to begin to see people beyond the one dimension, beyond the externals. Uh, here's some, some things that we need to look at. <clears throat> and I'm not saying this is in every relationship, right? We have levels of relationship. But as I get to know people, the more I get to know about their background, some of their struggles, maybe the issues that they struggle with relationally, spiritually, uh, some of the things, even what they believe. I mean, I had a pastor um, sit down with me for 40 minutes, and uh, he was telling me all about his theology. Now, he had already asked me to come to a conference. He already booked me for a conference. He hadn't scrubbed me down yet. Most pastors scrub me down before they invite me to do the conference, right? To see if we're on the same page. Well, he forgot to do that or didn't, you know. And he's sitting there and for 40 minutes, he's telling me all his theology, about 20% of it, I agree with. Okay? But that's not stopping me because I'm for, I'm not as concerned about his theology because God's got some sheep in that flock he wants me to reach, Right? And so he, he's, he's going on and on and on. And, I mean, there are many, many points. And there was a time the old Bill would have fought him, put him in a Cuisinart, I would have just shredded him with his false theology. And, but, you know, he was doing, he was baiting the hook. He was seeing where I was going to disagree with him because I guess he could always uninvite me. And I'm just sitting there, and you know what the Holy Spirit's saying? Just don't say a word. Don't say a word. So he went on and on and on for 40 minutes. And I won't go into his theology. But anyway, we got through, and he said, what do you think about that? And I, I was just, I said, Spirit, I really need a word from you right now. And these are the words that came out of my mouth. 
you know what? I really appreciate you sharing that. I'm here for you. The hearts of your people. How, how about you? That changed the whole dynamic. We said, sure, well, good. Let's be about the hearts of your people. God could care less about your theology. You know? I want, I want, because he needed a little life himself, you know what I'm saying? But I said, once we got on a point that I'm about the hearts of your people, I think Jesus is about the hearts of your people. How about you? And off we went. So anyway, so let's look at just some examples. Just, I mean, what kind of family did they come from, right? That, I mean, when you, th- and just think about your, your situation here, okay? Just put yourself in the shoes. And if I want to get to know you, I want to know what your struggles are. You know, we, and we struggle with sharing things because we, we can't. I'm not saying we trust everyone, but as you build trust, build relationships, shouldn't, don't we really want to offload? We want to tell somebody. We're struggling, right? And, and I know for, you know for some of us men, like my daddy taught me, you know, just never sweat, never cry, never show them anything, you know. I was just a dead man walking. So, but how about that? Well, they're struggling in their marriage, you know, spiritual struggles. Uh, just adverse circumstances. Maybe, you know, they're, because what's happening is, why are they acting the way they're acting, right? Isn't it easy just to uh, judge somebody's very poor behavior? You see, it's just so easy to go to judging when if I really knew there were circumstances, then, you know, I might have, a, I might have an ounce of compassion, a, a love. Maybe I, could, maybe I could be used to help them. We'll talk about that in just a second. So, what are some of the positive negative results if possible, excuse me, negative results if we don't see people in 3D? Well, we're just going to judge their actions and their motives and their beliefs. Is this making sense, guys? You with me? We can talk, we can wrestle about that. I don't need to get through all these slides tonight. Being offended by the things they say and do. I mean, think about it. In Christ, aren't we unoffendable? Thank you, one of you. <laughs> We are unoffendable in Christ. Why? Why aren't we unoffendable? What's that? Okay, he loves us, yeah. And as a result of his love, can, can you love someone and be offended in the same moment? Don't think that can happen. But the, what's that? Oh, yeah, I'm the flesh. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm an expert in the flesh, brother. I mean, I can just let it out. But think about this. I don't have to take ownership of things that can come my way that may tend to offend me. We don't have to take ownership. I mean, politicians offend you. Well, amen. What else did you expect them to do? You know? It's just the, we're, all these things we take ownership of offense. What if we didn't? Wouldn't that free us up? You know, you, you start filling that, that backpack full of, full of offenses. Yeah, Jerry? No, go ahead. On that line of uh, love and unlovable, I, I was doing the same thing you're doing. I'm asking to reveal more because I'm stumbling over this love and the unlovable. Yeah. And what he revealed to me, I had to face the cold hard truth that it was an unintentional insult to God that I was having conditions uh, on people. Yeah. Unintentionally was not bestowing confidence in Him to balance the scale. Yeah. That's it. And he said, he told Jerry, you know, I feel a little insulted because you think you're good to do this, and I'm the one that's sovereign. I'll take care of it. And that's kind of what I'm stumbling over. That's the human subjective conditional love. Uh, I'm not trusting him to balance the scale at some point in time later on down the road. Y
Well, you know what he remind, you know what verse he reminds me of at times like that, Jerry? Apart from me, you can do nothing. You know, I, I'm trying to fix something. So that's a good word. Anybody else? Just uh, how about this? Uh, self-righteous comparisons. Guilty. I'm sorry. Uh, condescending and or critical, and then insensitive, lacking compassion. This is this isn't who we are, is it? This isn't who we are in Christ. In Christ, this is not who we are. We don't take offense. We're Christ, you know, we have Christ's righteousness, not self-righteousness. We're not condescending. We're humble. We're not critical. We're loving. We're not insensitive. We're the most sensitive people that walked. And you know, why do, why do we make sensitivity a feminine word? Come on now. How sensitive was Jesus? By the way, guys, have you been hung on, have you hung on a cross recently? Jesus was a man's man, and Jesus was sensitive, compassionate. We always tend to identify those words with women. That's just not fair. Because that's who we are in Christ. Okay, so what is it so crucial for you to see others in 3D? It enables you to give grace. Instead of judging, taking offense, being self-righteous or condescending and critical. It gives you a deeper understanding of how you can <clears throat> encourage someone, pray for them, and speak God's truth to them. It gives you insight into when to be sensitive and compassionate in areas where they struggle. It helps you to discern, not judge, why they say what they say and do what they do. It allows you to love them with the unconditional love of Jesus in spite of their beliefs, their struggles, their past, or their behavior. I'll tell you a real quick story. I was uh, in Dallas. I was teaching a Sunday school class there when we lived there. And you guys just delivered from Dallas. It's a great feeling, isn't it? This is the promised land. <clears throat> just don't tell them that up there, will you? But anyway, he had been uh, scoping me out. And, uh, and God had been doing a work in me. I'd been walking these truths for some time, and, and, uh, but I didn't know where I was, so God tests us every once in a while. You know, it's kind of right there. You don't have any time to think about it. And this guy was in my Sunday school class. He was in his 50s, and a uh, real nice guy. And we'd go to lunch once a month. And he'd, he'd call me up, you want to go to lunch? And we'd just talk about nothing. Uh, and I'm not a talk about nothing guy. You know, if we're going to sit down and have lunch, we're going to talk about Jesus, right? I'm going to talk about life. We're going to talk about something that counts for eternity. But I, I just let him talk about whatever you want to talk about. And little did I know, what he was doing for four months, he was, he was checking me out. And you know what he wanted to know? Is, is whether or not I was safe or not. And uh, so on the fourth, <clears throat> actually this is another couple of slides down, but for some reason I feel like I want to tell you the story. And he's sitting there, and at the fourth lunch, we're just sitting there, and all of a sudden he says, well, I, <clears throat> I feel led to tell you my deepest, darkest secret. I thought, oh boy. And his deepest, darkest secret was he's married... He has children, adult there, I think they were, yeah, they were out of the house at that time. And he says, I struggle with homosexuality. And, you know, he didn't know that in my past life I was a homophobe. I mean, you, you put, you look up homophobic in the dictionary, and my face was right there. Hated homosexuals, hated it. You know, just, and, you know, God just started doing work in me. And I didn't even know what he was doing. 
But he said, you know, I just was never loved by my father, and he always had these homosexual affairs with older men who loved him like his father never did. And he was waiting because, you know, the last person he told that to was a pastor. You know what the pastor did? Kicked him out of the church. How's that for love? Not knocking pastors, but it doesn't sound like the love of Jesus to me. And you know what my response was? I mean, it just it blew me away. I didn't have one uh, twinge of being critical or judgmental. He said, well, I'm, I hear them as I've shared it. What do you got to say to that? I said, well, you want to hear mine? I mean, we all got one, right? And he just looked at me like, what do you mean? I said, well, I mean, that, because we were actually studying identity in a Sunday school class. And I said, that's not who you are. That's, that's a sin pattern, but that's not who you are. You're not a homosexual Christian. How do you put those together? You're a saint with a problem of homosexuality. But the point of the story is, I was safe enough that he was willing to share, and there was a time I would have chewed him up and spit him out and, and walked out. But to sit there and to, to experience the love of God for this guy. And let me tell you what, we are friends to this day. God did set him completely free. He's now working with other men that struggle in this thing. And I'm telling you what, this guy loves Jesus. And he'd come in here and he would tell you the same story tonight. You just love this guy. But I'm telling you what, he, his wife did eventually leave him, but guess what? God set him free, I mean, before he was set free. He was set free and actually married him and his new wife a year ago, uh, and they live in Austin. And so it's just been a sweet time. But you see, the, the point of was is that if God had not moved in my heart, I would have never, he would have never said anything because he would have figured out that I was not safe. So this is why knowing someone in 3D, three dimension, it was, we look at that. And then here's something else too, and I don't know if this resonates, see some of these things resonate very deeply with me that may not with you, and it may not be today, but when God looks at you, he has a much higher opinion of you than you have of yourself, by the way, in case you haven't figured that out. Thank God. All right. <laughs> but he says you're perfect. He says you're holy. He says you're complete. He says you're righteous, right? He says these things, and you know what he sees in you every day is potential, right? And so what I want to see, I don't care what your story is. I don't care how bad your life is. I don't care. I, I want to see potential, and that's what I see when I look at you. I don't have to hear your story. Because who's the source of the change? He lives within you. So when I say spiritual potential... It's how God can transform a person's life regardless of where they are now spiritually. You know people that are prodigal. Man, they, they, you, know, you don't even think they're saved, but they could be. I've got two brothers that are prodigal. I know they're saved, but they're just out there you know, just being prodigal kids. And, and yet, I've got to look at where they could be because I was there with them. You know, depressed, suicidal, I mean, and what God saw in me in 1998 at the lowest point of my life. This is when I wrote this. He said, Bill, I saw potential. And I'm standing here today. Go figure that. No Bible school, no cell. I'm just burned out Aggie contractor. I don't have a resume. But what did he see? Same thing as he sees in you. You guys have got incredible potential in Jesus. I hope you're hearing Christ say that, not me. You've got, I, don't, I don't care 
Don't I, 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 you, you may have been struggling. You may be struggling. You may have had a... It doesn't make any difference. All God says is potential. You're still breathing. The Christ that lives within you is breathing. He's living. He's asking. Draw. He's saying, seek me. Let, me. let me just do this work in you. But I'm telling you what, he sees potential. Because I see this guy all over San Antonio and Bernie and Bolverde, and I'm, I'm looking at these guys different. Man, how does God see them? He loves them as much as he loves me. You know? And just, what, what does that look like? Just to see potential. So, seeing love and potential go together. Right? Because if I can't love you, I don't see potential. If I don't love you, I'm just thinking, what's your problem? And you must have many. You see, it's just love. Just, it, just de- it just washes away all, all of that. It gives me eyes to see and I see potential. How about love makes you safe? And uh, which kind of goes back to my previous story, but um, basically that, I, I don't know, I, I think within us, wasn't Christ safe? Even, isn't Christ safe? Not wasn't, but I was thinking about when he was on the earth. You know, I mean, people were attracted to him. I mean, some were repulsed, but uh, that's the way it is, right? Some people can be repulsed by Christ in us too, but, but I want to be a safe person. And, and I think, how would that change the atmosphere of the bridge if we just <clears throat> got safer and, sa- and, and that was just something intentionally that we wanted. Because then you become, well, let me hear some, here's some characteristics that uh, I feel make us safe. A good listener, right? And I'm a talker. Man, God had to just, you know, shut me up. In fact, did I tell you, I don't, I don't know if I told you this story when I was here last, but there was a pastor that called me up in uh, San Antonio and we were living um, just outside of 1604 at the time, Leon Springs. And anyway, he calls me up. He says, I've only got 40 minutes, and it was a 20-minute drive. But I, need to, I just need to pour my, I, I got some things I got to run past you. Did I tell you this story? Anyway, and uh, so I drive over there. And I mean, I'm listening to this guy for three hours. It's a pastor. And, and he's just going on and on and on. And you know how many words I said in three hours? Three words. Hello and goodbye, okay? <clears throat> I mean, I could have put a cardboard cutout and left two hours beforehand, but he was just, because you know what was going on? He was dialoguing with the Holy Spirit. He, he and the Spirit were just doing, and, and you know what he said when we got through? He says, Bill, this has been the most encouraging time. Thank you so much. Well, Amen. I mean, really and truly, I'm not exaggerating. I, I didn't say much of anything. You listened. I listened. But the point being is that, as you know, sometimes people just have to verbalize it and they don't really need a response. And of course, this is a real problem with husbands and wives because husbands want to fix it and husbands, they, maybe they just want you to hear them and not try to fix it. Amen, women? Could that be... You know, it's just part of our leftover of our idemic DNA, Don, is we're just fixers as men. I don't know what it is, but you women, you pray for us. Uh, trustworthy, not critical, judgmental, caring, compassionate. I mean, these things just make up, just make us safe. So think about this, that um, I don't know if this is a, a big deal with you, but I, I, it's becoming a big deal to me. And really and truly, I, I think part of this was I was just a porcupine, man. I just, you know, I, I just, uh, I, I repel people. Um, not, not many people like me much. If you work for me, you probably remember that guy, the angry, controlling, demanding, manipulative guy, driven by fear of failure. 
you know, they all, they all lived in fear of me because they knew I was going to fire them if they didn't perform. And there was no love, trust me. There was no love at all. And yet, you know, now I see this. Of course, I'd love to go back to all of them and say, I'm sorry, right? Uh, there'd, be a whole, there'd be a long line too, brother. Let me tell you what, there'd be a long line that I need to be repenting. Uh, maybe I can do some of that in heaven. But, you know, th- this is why this means so much to me now. I wasn't safe. I wasn't safe for Paige at all. I mean, I was just a bull moose, man. You, I was a tiger in a cage, and you open the cage, and I just devour you. And I, I'm, th- that's why these things, I mean, I'm sorry it's hitting me so late in life. I'm asking the Lord to go fast forward. I don't know about some of you folks, but I'm, I keep telling him I'm long in the tooth, man. I need to learn some of this stuff but before I, I mean, I'll, I'll figure it all out when I get before him. But I want you to experience the love of Christ. Through. That's what I want. I want you to say, look, I feel loved. Yes, sir. Where do we put discernment? Yeah, because that's a good word. Yep, you're right. Amen. That's good. <clears throat> I think discernment is absolutely critical. You look at Jesus, because it's interesting. He loved the Pharisees as much as he loved the little children. How did he deal with them differently? He was just trying to expose the flesh and the law and the legalism, try to say that word, legalism and death of the Pharisees. That's how he loved them, were the little children. So he was discerning in that. But yeah, I think when it comes to, but love takes on different forms. You see what I'm saying? So if someone is disruptive in the church, the, the love can be, first of all, we're going to go to them. We're going to try to you know, love on them. We're going to speak words of truth to them. But if they choose not to and be divisive, then we get to love them out the door. But we can still do that, right? We don't have to judge them or criticize them, do we? But we do, and that's, that's why you've got such incredible leadership here. You're going to sit down. We're going to talk. We're going to speak truth. They, that person has to make the choice, right? And if they choose not, then we, we do love them to the front door. Amen? So discernment is crucial. Yes, sir. I spent eight hours driving today. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hear you, brother. Um, my flesh wants to do the same thing. But here's what. Here's a word that I want you to think, or a thought I want you to think about. When I get to those places, I'm letting those people rob me 
They're robbing me of my peace and my love and my joy in Christ. And I, I finally, I've drawn a line in the sand. You're not robbing me. I'm sorry. I don't care how much of a jackass you are or how bad you are or how you just, you know, you're still not robbing me. Of course, ultimately for me, the fallback is, thank God God's sovereign over politicians. Did you know that? That God is sovereign over politicians? <laughs> but I'm just telling you, I hear you. But see, at some point, I've got to draw a line in the sand. I'm not going to let you rob me of my peace in Christ. I don't care how much of an idiot you are. You're not going to rob me. And couldn't that be the same guy that pulls in front of you? You know, he just pulls right in front of you, you know, and are you going to let him rob you? So think, I just think about it in terms of that. I don't, I, I, you know, I, I can listen to it. I mean, I do watch the news, and I, I take it in. I want to know what's going on. But there's something that begins to well up in me, and it's beginning to rob me. And the Holy Spirit says, Bill, stop it. So I draw that line in the sand, and guess what? I either turn it off or turn them off. Does that, does that make sense? Okay, think about that word robbing. Who is robbing you? Who or what is robbing you? I think we're being robbed all day long. If we let the, if we let the circumstances and just, and we're, you know, we're just like a colander, you know, all this stuff's draining out when I'm thinking, no, 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 I mean, I love you, but I can't let you rob me. Yeah, Jerry? That's exactly what I was trying to express. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your feeble attempt to correct them here on earth yeah. nothing compared to what I'm gonna do. Right. And that's kinda how I have to back off because they're stealing my joy. Yeah. <clears throat> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Sooner than later, okay. Okay. And uh, I'm also a professor of political science. But in the last 10 years, now that I've, it has gotten so bad, uh, I cancel magazines. Yeah. I haven't watched TV except for a ball game in about eight months. Yeah. You know, I'm so much happy. <laughs> Just keep the TV off. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've got to. Yeah. 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 That's right. <clears throat> I, I can't do anything about it. Yeah. I wouldn't know what to do right now. Yeah. I just say, Lord, you, you, you will repay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But you know, for what you do, I mean, you're in it, right? I mean, you don't get away. That's your job, right? And and so for me, I just pray, Lord, thicken my armor. Just thicken my armor and, and just, you know, you show me. Because then that's what he does. He gets to a place where, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like two-year-olds. Would you expect a two-year-old to act like a 20-year-old? When I look at politicians, they're just grown-up two-year-olds, right? They're just, they're playing their little sandbox, you know what I'm saying? But they're just two-year-olds. They don't know what they're doing. They're just, you know, they're just two-year-olds. What would you expect? Do, I don't, do you have, how many expectations do you have of a two-year-old? Not many. It's just all about them and self-absorbed and all about me, 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 me. So, but I, I would certainly pray the Lord would just thicken your armor in that. Well, he's, he's got me turned around about three years ago. I 
Oh, well, <laughs> there you go. Well, amen. <clears throat> amen. You know, <clears throat> well, that's good because that, no, that's big. When you can pray for them, because what else do, I mean, what do they need? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, they certainly act like it. Uh, hey, guys, it's it's about time. Um, this last one is just love is unlocks the uh, love is the key that unlocks a person's heart. I think that if you haven't read the story in the in the book about this, it's a very personal story that I wrote about um, uh, a guy that God used, David Love. <laughs> That was his name. If you didn't read the story, read it, because God brought love to a loveless, and this guy just, God used him to pierce my heart and open me up. This was a, just kind of right before I'd heard Ian Thomas and came to know life in Christ, and I was a mess. You know, it was just like a boil needed to be popped, and, and I'm telling you what, that poor guy just core dumped all over him for a weekend, but man, God used him to pierce my heart. And uh, so these are just... Uh, the, these truths don't may not necessarily connect, but they're random things that, that as we think about them, and that's all that I want you to do is think about this. You know, what conditions do I have on the people around me to love them? What expectations do I have? I'm telling you what, God's teaching me to die to my expectations. I'm having fewer and fewer expectations of people, and you know what that does for me? Frees them up, frees me up to love them. I, I just don't expect much. So people can exceed my expectations a lot easier than they used to. You know what I'm saying? You put the bar of expectations on the ground, you can jump over that pretty easy, right? And, and, so, and, and so then these fleshly rights, just examine yourself. How, do I have a fleshly right to be critical, not to love, whatever? And then just think about agape love loves. There are no conditions, no judgments, no offenses, no need to judge. Pray for me while I'm in the airport next week because, you know, I'm just going to start looking. And God's just going to say, stop it, stop it. I mean, it, I, I am terrible. I'm in progress, man. I just, I just am in process of, of learning these. But that's why he puts me in airports, right? It's a test. See, you people are easy to love. I mean, it just, I mean, there's no, you're all perfect. You know, you just. <laughs> there we go. There you go. Well, this was uh, really sweet to be here tonight. I'm sorry it's under the circumstances, um, but uh, we'll, you know, we're going to pray for Annette. And I don't know if you know her sister's husband's a pastor, uh, has a church up there. In, is it Odessa, Don, where the church is? Anyway, so they're going to have a big service on Monday, but uh, I know they need a lot of prayer. But I just... I always feel at home here. Thank you for being so gracious. I mean, I do feel the love here. Let me tell you what. I always feel the love here. I hope you feel it through me as well. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you for <clears throat> the privilege of being here. Um, Lord, there's such a, such, there's a dynamic life that is being developed here. There's a culture of life being developed here. It seems like I, I stay away for a while and Paige and I come here, and we, we leave here, and we know there's something different. And, and that's the way it should be, because we're all being transformed. And so I just pray that we just bring you to into our hearts to examine where our conditions are, where our expectations, where our fleshly rights are, where our judgments are, where we're taking offense. Because, Lord, we want to be free of that, but we can't free ourselves. You're our freedom, and we're coming to you. We're desperate for you, but we want to be free 
uh, for a number of reasons, but um, I think deep within us, we want to be free to love because love does have power. And uh, we want that power to draw others to Jesus for salvation and draw, draw others to Jesus for life. And so we just lift up um, uh, Annette and Jimmy and the family during this time and pray it'll be a wonderful celebration of uh, her sister's life and uh, pray for all that they've got going. And I just thank you for the leadership here and just for the heartbeat of this church, Lord. You are building this church. It's obvious because lives are being transformed. Amen? Amen. Good to see you. Hope to come back again sometime soon, okay? Thanks. Thanks.